You're listening to episode 153 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and joining me today is a favorite, Mary Flo Ridley. Also, we're bringing on Megan Michelson. She has recently joined the speaking team at Birds and Bees, which is a ministry Mary Flo started to help empower and equip parents to talk to their kids about sex. We know that, like you said, getting the basics down is important. The story of birth, the story of, you know, how a baby is made, all of that. The more you can kind of pack into those early years in a very simple, unsensual, this is how it all works way, uh, the easier it is to continue the conversation. So if you haven't had those, it's good to go back and and refresh all of that and and catch up there. And that's kind of what say is everyone has a defensive plan when it comes to sex and what they want their kids to not know and what what they want their kids to not see. But what we we really want to encourage is for parents to have an offensive plan. Honestly, going into parenthood, this was not something I was thinking about when I had babies. I wasn't thinking about, I wonder someday, how am I going to tell them about sex? But uh, after hearing Mary Flo at a MOPS meeting back when my older kids were a lot littler, I felt so equipped That when the time came, when those questions came up, I would be ready with a plan. And so if you've never listened to my conversation with Mary Flo, I will tell you actually to stop right now and go find that conversation. It's back in July. It's called When to Have the Talk. And you will hear all the philosophy of why Mary Flo believes it's never too early to start that conversation. Today's conversation, though, is going to be focused on what next. Once you've given your kids the basic vocabulary, your value system, uh, and and kind of set the foundation for talking about sex with your kids, what next? When your kids are getting to the age where they could be exposed to pornography, when they are getting questions from peers about sex, how do you keep that conversation going? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I just love the practical tips and the phrasing and the ideas and, and even uh, getaway ideas to have with your uh, prepubescent kids. Um, and if you are a mom with young kids, Megan says this at the very end of the show, she's a mom to young kids. Do not be scared. Just be prepared. Just take in this conversation. Recognize that you're not there yet. But for me, it was always helpful to know what was coming so I wasn't terrified, so I didn't react, and that I was more intentional on how to plan. So just listen knowing you've got ears before you need to worry about these things and just tuck it away for the future. But first, let's take a second and thank our partners this month, Jelly Telly. Without them, we would not have the God Center Mom podcast. I don't know about you, but screen time can be really tricky with my kids and it's really hard to monitor what they're watching. But I feel really good about my kids getting on the Jelly Telly app, watching ad-free shows and movies. They can pick and choose what they want to watch and I feel good about what they decide because everything points them back to Jesus, which is a win-win. Jelly Telly was co-developed with VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer and it's a place where my kids can enjoy faith-based shows and movies. They can instantly stream over 116 shows that they love. What's in the Bible, Allegories, 321 Penguins, Friends and Heroes. It's on iOS, Android, Apple TV, Roku, and Kindle tablets. Go to jellytelly.com. Don't forget the special coupon code, all caps, God-centered. Just for you God-centered mom listeners, you get $5 off or your first month of Jelly Telly free. All right, let's get to my conversation with Mary Flo and Megan. Here we go. Hey, Mary Flo and Megan, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you, Heather. We're glad to be here. We are so excited to be here. It's going to be fun, and we have three of us. So y'all, if you're listening, get ready. <laughs> three women together talking about sex. It's going to be good. It's going to be woo. good. <laughs> woo, I like the extra woo. Yeah, so, we're excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. So Mary Flo Ridley, you have been on the show before. I originally aired it episode 25 um, in May of 2014, so it's almost three years ago. And uh, then we did. I just re-released it last July um, and labeled it When to Have the Talk. But you've done so many exciting things since then, so we wanted to have you back on. And uh, and then you have now partnered with Megan. Yes. Welcome, Megan. Yes. Thank you. And so real quick, just introduce uh, – I'd love for you to – introduce each of us wait that doesn't make sense each of you to introduce your families to us so we can get to know you both better 
Well, I'll go first. Um, this is Mary Flo speaking. And my husband, Dave, and I have been married 36 years. And we have three grandchildren, and they're all married. And we have six grandchildren. Um, five of the six live in the Carolinas. and um, But we finally got a hometown one here in Dallas. So we do a lot of grandparenting. and um, But one of my daughters, Jill, one of her very best friends in life is Megan Michelson. So I've known Megan since middle school years, and she is now um, my speaking partner at the Birds and the Bees. So I'll let her tell you about her family. Okay. Hi, I'm Megan Michelson, and like Mary Flo said, I've known her forever, but um, I did not know what she did as a li- for a living until um, I was teaching. I was a middle school teacher here in Dallas, and I was working at one of the parenting events, signing in our parents. And Mary Flo was a speaker. And so I thought, well, I'll just stick around because I know Mary Flo. Um, and then I just was so surprised to hear what she did. <laughs> but um, So I was intrigued and listened to the program. And it just really stuck with me and just was so, I was so captivated by the message. I was teaching middle school at the time. So I had just seen so much um, confusion and misunderstanding of sex and what it was intended to be. And so anyways, it just really impacted me. And then a few years later, I became a mother myself and heard her again at um, one of our church's programs and was just so taken by it. And long story short, I really just felt the Lord moving in my heart with this message and this topic, which is an odd calling. I'm very aware. But um, (laughs) anyways, I just loved it. Flash forward a few more years and I was visiting with her daughter who was in town and she kind of said off the cuff comment about her mom wanting to kind of retire a little bit, but she didn't want to take over and neither did her sister. And I just kind of said, well, I might want to, you know, I had a, was pregnant with my second at the time, had no business doing this. Um, anyways, and then God had other plans. So he kind of just, we got together and just started praying over several months to kind of see, okay, if this is the direction you want us to go in, then just kind of open doors and let us move forward. And here we are. What I so love. God had- yeah, he had a big plan, and I met with Mary Flo, and she shared what she – I was going to have you on the show, Mary Flo, earlier, and you're like, wait, just wait a second. We're working on something <laughs> really exciting, and it is super exciting because, you know, previously I'd try to share, you know, Mary Flo, she's amazing, and, and the site and everything, it was just not quite ready, but now it's super ready and super available and accessible to parents. And you've taken your teachings and recorded them and parents can sign up to get those and get a membership. And we'll talk all about that later, but I love that you've brought Megan on. I love that y'all have kind of rebranded. And um, if y'all want to even go check it out right now while you're listening, go to birds-bees.com and check out their super cute site. And uh, when you were on the show before, Mary Flo, you brought um, help for the young mom to know when is it time to talk to your kids about sex. And we decided it's never, never early enough. (laughs) If they can talk to you, you can start the conversation. And uh, we talked through finding your message as a family. That's an important part. We talked through vocabulary, making sure that the words you use, um, you seem like a wise person who is educated about sex, that they would come to you. We talk about the birth story and reproduction and conception, but you and I just barely touched the surface, right? Like There's just so much more, right? There's so much more. And those are all in these videos now on the site, which is so great. Uh, But today I wanted to have y'all come on because let's say... (laughs) You're that mom like me. I'm so selfish with this podcast. Um, who is <laughs> heading into middle school years? I have an 11 and a half year old, and things are more complex. And we live in such a sexualized society where I literally walked into Walmart yesterday and there's this eyelash place in the Walmart. I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> Blaring a song about touch me all over. I can't wait for you to touch me all over. And I'm like, I hope my four year old is not tuning into the lyrics of the song, <laughs> even though he could sing every song he's ever heard. Right. Um, and I'm just thinking of the images and all the things coming at my boys and how many conversations I've already had to have with my 11 and a half year old um, about sex. And anyway, so I need your help on this continuing the conversation kind of thing. Y'all ready? Well, we are ready. We are ready. We know that, you know, 
like you said, getting the basics down is important. You know, the story of birth, the story of, you know, how a baby is made, all of that. The more you can kind of pack into those early years in a very simple, unsensual, this is how it all works way, uh, the easier it is to continue the conversation. So if you haven't had those, it's good to go back and and refresh all of that and, and catch up there. But then, like in the upper elementary leading into middle school years, um, there's just still so much left to talk about and um, so many situations, like you said, that come up that you want to um, speak into. Like you probably wouldn't speak to your four-year-old about that song, but if you'd been with your 11-year-old, you would have said, I'm sure you're hearing what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, wow, isn't that sad or isn't that uh, kind of a sad way to approach your body mm-hmm. in such a public and un nurturing way. And, know, if our, to, and if our family message is that that's a gift from God reserved for marriage, I'd say, I wonder if she's singing that to her husband. Yes. <laughs> like, would I, is that oh, like yeah. weird to throw that in or is that like a normal? Yes. No, okay. I say throw that in. You say, oh, I hope that's just a little love song to her husband. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, because I do think we, we can't just always crash the, you the know, party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. always be so negative about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. Cause this is the world they're growing up in to them. It's not that abnormal. That's the thing that is a lot of the, all this sexualization has become normalized. Right. And so we want to tell a better story. That's what we keep wanting to go to is keep pointing them to um, the beauty of God's design, his purposes, and, and also be very wise about what's going on in the world, you know, Mm-hmm. So how do we do this? How do we talk about these things at these later oh. ages? Well, one little theme that we kind of introduce the parents that as a way to kind of ease into these conversations is to kind of set up the theme of beauty and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And this is an easy way to have conversations, especially with a little bit older children is because they're not even mentioning the word sex, which yeah. I feel like a lot of times parents can kind of breathe a little bit and think, okay, good. <laughs> I don't even have to say that word yeah. um, just to kind of set up the theme that, you know, sex is, you know, depending on your family message is something that's beautiful given to by God, but it has boundaries like within a marriage. So beauty and boundaries. So what could that look like in other things? You know, like the fire on a cold night, it's so nice to sit so close to the fire and get warm and it's just so beautiful. But if that fire got out of its boundaries, it could really be devastating. Or um, the ocean. The ocean is so beautiful and so fun to play in and crash in the waves. But if there's a tsunami and it gets out of its intended boundaries, then there can be a lot of destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, the tiger at the zoo. I mean, you can go on and on with examples, but that's a way to kind of have conversations with your children about kind of the balance of beauty and boundaries. How can something be beautiful but also have boundaries? Um, and then to bring in some scripture with that theme is from Psalm 139, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And just kind of asking your kids, how can something be fearful, but also be wonderful? And again, you can kind of use those same examples of something that has, that's beautiful, but also has its boundaries. And would you go into the devastation of sex? Do they need, like, at what point do they need to know the consequences of sex outside of those boundaries? Well, I think you can start um, with the really fun topic of pornography. Okay. In other words, it used that used to be a talk that you would have with your preteen, with your 12-year-old, that this mm-hmm. is going to be out there. But now the age has dropped dramatically on when children are first viewing, either accidentally or by Googling on their own. They're, they're seeing pornography at a younger and younger age. We have some information about that on our website, but... The thing is, is that we need, they need to understand that this is out of bounds, that this is a dis, really a destructive and confusing and degrading way of seeing something that God created for certain beautiful purposes. Mm-hmm. And so um, the reason why we would really not allow you to see pornography is because an image in your mind cannot be undone. You know, there's, there's no getting it, getting away from it. It it will come back and pretty much haunt you. It'll stay with you a lot longer than you think. And, um, so that's why I, I, you know, we just can't, it's a little bit like a tattoo in your brain of what this is like. So it's not something we, we play with, um, 
or, or something that you think you can control. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a conversation about pornography. There's actually a good book out there called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and um, that can help you define what are good pictures, what are good bad pictures. But so, yes, I would start to talk about, um, you know, yes, the beauty of God's design, but sadly to say, but so true, the brokenness of this world where, where we live, we, we see it all around us, and yet um, we know he still has given us this vision of what it could be, of what it's intended to be. So contrasting that for them, you know, um, is, is, I think, a really important thing. And then, you know, with, uh, with the pornography conversation, because you're saying younger and younger kids are being exposed talking to them about the potential of seeing a good picture, bad picture, you need to have that conversation before they'd even have the chance to see it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And then what, what do we say to them about when they do see something? When they do see something, what you need to let them know is that it's a little bit like poison and you are the poison control center. Okay. Um, if they ingest something that has that skull and crossbones on it, that that can if it stays in your body, then you know it's it can do something and and break it down. It can do something really bad to your body, and pornography can kind of do that to your spirit and to your mind. It, it can if it stays in there and no one knows about it, it can can kind of feed on itself. So without shame, you come to me and let me know what you saw. I want to know how it happened so we can make sure it doesn't happen again. So we can give you some more protection, but I have way we can pray together. We can talk about it. I want to hear what it was. I want to dispel uh, the power in it to the, to the degree that I can, we can pray about this and the Lord can help us with this, but we need to be aware that there is something out there that if you keep it secret, then it only gets worse. Yeah. So I, I would open up that door to say, I'm here for you. I want to help you. And for us to talk about this together will help dispel the power that that can have over you. I know that sounds kind of mystical for me to put it that way, but I just, I want people to see that it is like acid on your brain. And so it's something you need to be as cautious about and also available about as you can be. I think we want to believe, not my kid, Mm -hmm. No, 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 not my kid. They would never, they've been raised in a good home. They wouldn't choose that. And so then we, we are blind to the possibility that it could happen very easily. And, um, that by accident, by, oh, you can say something to Suri. She's connected to the internet. Uh, yes. You just hit that middle button a couple of times. You say, show me a picture of a naked girl. Even if that, Mm -hmm. you don't even have to say that. You could say something totally Uh different and accidentally see. And I think it goes back to Mary Flo, even that very first time I heard you. And it was when your kids ask those questions, where where do babies come from? And you want to panic and you start breaking out in a cold sweat. And (laughs) your reaction is so important. I think in Mm -hmm. this, the reaction is so important. So if we already have a plan and we've already talked about when we see bad pictures, you can just come tell me. I'm not going to be angry. It's it, just like, you know, if you accidentally ingest poison, I won't be angry. I'll be alarmed, but I won't be angry, and we will take care of it like yes. we would um, poison. Uh, then it's it calms you as a parent from having I think to have a Yes, to have a pre-designated plan. Yeah. You know, and, and also give them a plan. Like... Mm. Let them know occasionally something is going to pop up on this screen. This is the world wide web mm-hmm. and this is not always your friend. And mm-hmm. so um, it is like dropping you off in the darkest part of a downtown that you don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a scary place to wander around on. So mm-hmm. something's going to pop up at some point. Just know that I know that. But we need to stay very connected on what that is. Um when I love, one of my friends has a phrase, they've taught their son that gentlemen avert their eyes, which I just think that's great for any situation. Um, you're, we're driving down the street and all of the uh, Highland Park girls are running in their little, just their sports bras down the street in their little track. And the boys are like <laughs> covering their eyes. But, you know, 
that that put it, that sponge that you talk about with um, even the idea of how babies are made. I think that sponge applies to how do we um, approach influences that we know have poisonous effects on our brain. So exactly to to fill that sponge first with these phrases or this plan of attack. So we know they're coming. You're not going to be able to bubble wrap your kids completely. And I think that's kind of the message that we um, really speak into in all of these different steps, especially as they get older, but just to encourage parents to be proactive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this topic, just even the word sex, just sends parents <laughs> into like this panic yeah. of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. I'll let and somebody else just, deal with that. I'll let yeah, somebody else deal like, with that. Yeah. You know, fingers in the ears, la la la. I'm yes. not, my, not my kids. And I think what we really want to do is to kind of dispel all this and say, okay, this is scary, mm-hmm. no doubt, but that's okay. We can speak into this. You as parents, we want, we want parents to feel encouraged and empowered to talk to these, talk to their kids about this. It's not that it's not horrible to move towards these conversations or to preempt them. You know, you might see something on the computer that makes you feel, makes you feel kind of funny. It may kind of, you just feel in your heart and your stomach, it kind of makes you feel bad. If that's the case, then come and tell me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes parents are like, well, I don't want to tell my kids about porn if they've never seen it. Like, how do I explain porn without explaining naked? How do I explain that without mm-hmm. traumatizing them? Mm-hmm. And so I think you could say little things or simple things for younger children. Like if you see something that makes you feel like that pit in your stomach feeling, just come and tell me. Or if you see something that makes you, you just don't think is right, come and tell me. Like, it doesn't have to be specific. You don't have to specifically explain Right. what porn is, because I think that is scary. I don't want to tell my eight-year-old that, but I also want them to have a plan if they do see something that makes them feel weird or I, oh, I don't think I should see that. Like that's kind of an innate feeling in kids. That that's not right. When you I know? think of the alternative yeah. example, if we hadn't, if we hadn't already been following y'all's way of starting at a young age, let's say uh, the other conversation is, they're 13 and you've never brought up the topic, <laughs> never. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed in their junior high youth group that they're addicted to porn. That's the other scenario. And you've, you've just waited for the church to step in and tell them, or you know, okay. when they're about 13, I think we'll have the talk. That yes. That is what we're trying to, or you, I'm saying we like I'm on the team. I'm You're on, on the team. team. You are on the team. Um, that You're we're trying, you could give us. <laughs> to empower parents to step in and be the experts first. So that's why we all, we want you to go back and check out these videos. If you have a three-year-old, <laughs> go watch the videos so you're ready and empowered and not reactive. Yeah. And, and one uh, little phrase is kind of to pick your pain. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it is somewhat painful to have these conversations when they're young, but what is the pain of being that parent of the 13-year-old that you had no idea they had this hidden life of porn from age 11? Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think we'd rather pick these little pinpricks of, Ooh, that was a big conversation we just had about birth. That was, but that was helpful and that was positive And that was telling God's story of the beauty of his design instead of having to rewrite it all when they're 14. That's a lot tougher of a deal. And you know what? It's really more painful for us than it is for them. Having, oh, yes. having <laughs> these conversations with a four-year-old. They're just like, they're just curious. Like you've said before, they're just asking even today in the car. He didn't know I was interviewing y'all, but he said, (laughs) mommy, I am so sorry that when mommies have babies, it hurts them. (laughs) What a dear. I was like, one day (laughs) it was literally out of nowhere. I have no idea what made him. He's like, I'm sorry. It makes them sad. And then we had a whole conversation about, well, it might be painful, but then they're really happy anyway. But (laughs) Like he's not thinking anything, you know, like we've said, uh, there's not a perversion or anything to it. It is literally like factual information. And that's something that I think parents, you know, after puberty, um, everyone's hormonally charged, but before that you're not. And so I think parents view sex and everything that this involves knowing all the dangers and all the pleasures associated with it. And so it just makes it such a charged conversation. Well, before puberty, our young kids don't have, have any idea about this. They're not associating it with anything that we are. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like you said, talking to your four-year-old, it's scary for us. and It's hard for us, but they're kind of clueless. They're kind of taking it just as fact. Like, okay, well, that sounds weird, but okay. 
Yeah. You know, they're not... Um, or they say that makes sense because you're talking about an apple and you're talking right. about, you know, I had a friend say, does that, mommy, does daddy have any more seeds left? Like, want to know if there's more siblings coming our way? Like, and, you know, I had one son, we had to explain, like, he thought you just had sex once in your whole life. And then yes. babies just popped out every once, you know, once in a while, and another a baby while. would come out. So, you know, it just, but it's so innocent and sweet and they're just... They're sorting right. it out. And like you said, Mary Flo, once, uh, on a farm, these kids, they get it. They're seeing it happen mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I want to move into your awesome idea of a getaway. Let's say you're about to head into puberty. Not you, your child. Yeah. is about to head into <laughs> puberty. And uh, you, you, get the, you get the tip off from the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I love that idea that they're saying, yep, we're heading in there. Um, and what could you do to kind of solidify that relationship and that conversation going into the hormonally charged time? I love that you use the word relationship because that's the key is to keep um, having a relationship in this realm of, of conversation. And um, it will not be easier, but it will be it will make some of the tougher times um, easier anyway. When I say it won't be easier, I mean, it won't be as easy to maintain a relationship with a teenager. Um, and so you're going to have to look for creative ways to talk to them. But but let's talk about how um, that first gets started. So about a year before the onset of, of puberty, and like you said, your pediatrician can let you know, you're going to want to have sort of a time away with them. Where, where it's uninterrupted because you've got a lot of things that you want to cover in preparation for those years. And so you, um, I don't know, maybe you borrow someone's lake house or maybe you find a nice little cabin somewhere or, you know, just, I don't know, trade houses with a friend and where there aren't distractions um, for you or for your child. Some families do this with both mom and dad go with the child and um, some it's just mom takes daughter, dad takes son. Um, I know my husband did a series of hunting trips with Davis. He didn't want to just do one getaway. And uh, with one of my children, um, she w- did not want to talk about this topic at all, at all. And so uh, it was going to be a very, uh, I didn't want just to be the only one talking all weekend. So we took her best friend and her best friend's mom. And that gave us more of a platform of people who would be talking. So, you know, to kind of read your child's uh, personality, learning style, all of that. And however you do it, it's fine. But just get a little bit of time away. And when you get away, what you want to do is start talking about how physically uh, they're their bodies are going to be changing. If you are taking your son away, you'll want to also explain how it is that a girl goes through puberty. Like how does a boy's body change, but also how does a girl, how, how does a girl change from being a girl to a woman so that they have an understanding of how this happens in both sexes. Okay. And where would, where would someone get information to know exactly what to say? Like, do y'all have that? Well, there are some great resources out okay. there. Okay. Um, we, we have, um, some links uh, on our website that are being worked on. Okay. Some of them are, are not there yet because we are kind of new on this. On okay. This well, you journey. just send them to me, and I'll. But I will send notes. them to okay. you. And okay. and but also, I know that Family Life has a wonderful um, workbook and DVD series called Passport to Purity, and that is in there. Um, okay. uh, I, I will get you those resources. Okay. So I think it's good to have pictures. You know, diagrams. This is how physically your body is changed. Not sensual pictures, but kind of biology. (laughs) Good pictures, bad pictures. But okay, Okay. here is, you know, what happens to the ovaries and the pituitary gland and all those things. And they will be getting some of this information at school, but it'd be so nice if they heard it from you first, Mm -hmm. that this is what's happening. And sometimes we need to review that biology. So let them know how that's going to be changing. And then just talk to them a little bit about how, um, not only do their bodies change, but the way they start to think about a boy or a girl changes too. And, you know, there's sort of a dawning process where you used to think they were icky and now you kind of liked it or, you know, it kind of makes your heart pound a little bit to sit next to a girl and you kind of, her hair smells nice. And when you sit behind her in class and you just have different thoughts, where does all this come from? And it's because you're growing up and your idea about girls is changing or your idea about boys. And what, what do we do with those ideas and how do we, you know, how do we keep good friendships, good relationships? Um, one of the things you might want to do 
is to have them make a list of, you know, honey, tell me the, the character qualities of a really good friend. Like what are the, um, attributes of a really good friend? And they might write down, you know, that they are loyal or that they are trustworthy or that they are respect me or, you know, they listen well to me and then put the word, um, in front of it that would denote a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So if a girl, if, if your son wrote that all those characteristics of a good friend, then you would take it and say, I'm going to put the word girl in front of that word friend. Mm. That's what I hope you're looking for in a future girlfriend, because that's what you should be, you know, it's, and I don't see the word hot anywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, attractive. attraction, yeah, 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 attraction yeah. is going to be there. Yeah. But what you should be looking for is someone of these qualities because like that's that. who you're going to be the most comfortable with. And that's someone that's going to be looking out for you and what's best for you. Yeah. And, um, and even uh, defining love. What is love? What does the world say love is? What does God say love is? What do you think love is? Talk about even that kind of a sort of deep thing so they can be thinking about that. And when they hear love in a song like you heard at Walmart, that's maybe not what love really is, but they can have a better definition for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Okay. One more, one more little thing on this weekend away, although there's like a hundred things that you can do on this time away. But, um, one of the things that we found was very beneficial is what we call the timeline. And, um, it's very easy, no technology involved. You take like a long sheet of paper and and draw a, a long line and then you put 88 little notches in it. Let's say that that's a diagram of their life. And then you, you look through those first 12 and it's, let's say you've taken your 12 year old away and you look through that first 12 and you say, okay, this is how long you've lived. It's amazing. You have survived 12 long years and it's been so wonderful because I've been your mother. And, and, um, so could you just, let's just run the highlight film. Like what are some of the most wonderful things that have happened? What are some of the challenging things that you've had to overcome in these 12 years? Let's talk about the people you've met that have been the greatest influence and, uh, the greatest book you've read and how it impacted you just kind of talk about their life so far and then skip over the years 13, let's say to 22, and then look out at their whole big life. So you've got a long, long life that you're looking at and let's dream the dream. Talk, talk about, tell me about maybe your future education, future career, future family. Where do you see yourself living, traveling? You know, let's dream the dream and make them do this all the way to the end of that, those 88 years. And believe me, they'll get to 35 and they will always already have three sets of twins and uh, an MBA and, you know, they're living in Paris and living the dream. So anyway, but say, okay, now you're, you're still living. So keep going, keep going. Now realize that in this whole life, you're only given the one body that you have right now. Like when you get out of college, you don't get a new body. So taking care of your body, your mind, your spirit, your strength, that's important. But let's go back to that little piece that we missed. We did one through 12 and then we did 22 to 88. And so now they're looking at what looks like um, visually a small part of their life. But for them, it's the next thing that's happening. And they need to consider what that's going to look like. Um, just to know that in, in those years, lot, a lot of things will come at them. You know, they're going to be tempted by sex and drugs and alcohol and, and bad relationships. And yet they, um, they are also going to encounter ways to form good habits and, and model, you know, a walk with the Lord that would strengthen them. And they're going to if they're a normal person, have regrets in their life. But your job as their mother and dad is to see that when they get on the other side and they start to really be an adult, that they don't carry too much baggage from those teenage years or too many regrets or, or a bad habit that's really become uh, crippling. So let them see visually that even though these teenage years and these early, you know, early adult years can be challenging, because it's awkward to grow up, but that they're not alone. They've got a, um, they've got a family that loves them and a, a, hopefully a church they're connected with and they're going to get through them and it's going to be amazing because they're going to be great adults. So it's just kind of surveying their life in a way that gives them a picture of life after teenage years. Kind of which, gives, um, yeah, a healthy perspective, I think too, you know, once you look at this visually, you see, 
oh, on the grand scheme of things, I've done this my whole life. This is just a little piece of it. But at 12 or 13, Saturday night kind of feels like your whole life, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it kind of just gives, puts it in perspective a little bit of this is just a phase that gets you from being a child to an adult. And it is my job to get you through this with as little baggage and regret as possible. And so when I say no to something, that's because I'm looking at year 34. (laughs) When I love how you phrase it as a training field for dreams too. Like this is all this prep work, not, not just like a get through it. But as a, like, there's a potential here for a lot of growth and, um, experiences and, um, chances to try new things and travel for these dreams to come true. Exactly. And, and keeping that in mind, a lot of parents do this every year. Like they, they don't just, it's just not a one-time thing. They'll come back and say, now what strengths have you discovered that you didn't know you had last year? Mm. Or, you know, what dreams have changed about this now that you know you are really good at art or now that, you know, just keep it updated a little bit. So Megan, when you were working in middle school, yes. when you were seeing um, <laughs> the choices and the, you said, I think you said misconceptions, mm-hmm. what were some of the things you were seeing that were concerning and you weren't a mom at the time. So, you know, no. you're just taking this from the teacher's perspective. Um, I think what was so surprising to me was just the, the lack of parental um, involvement. Involvement is not the right word because they were involved, but just um, speaking into things, mm. particularly this topic. Like I vividly remember we had um, like a sexting incident happen in, with sixth graders mm. and I was just appalled and just kind of like, okay, we need to do a team meeting here. We need to get all these kids together and just say like somebody needed to like kind of blow the whistle and say, this is not normal. Like this mm-hmm. is not what sex is intended to be like someone to dispel this big, bad sexting thing. You know, it's like, this was not, but I felt frustrated that the parents almost took this as a, it was just too scary to talk about, or it was just too overwhelming, or that's just kind of what they're doing. And I'll try to take their phones away. Just it, how quickly parents kind of um, didn't fight against the sex saturated culture. Um, well, and it feels like instead there's all the, well, what app can I get to protect mm-hmm. or what um, system can we get at home? And those are all good things, but you're just trying to pre- prevent something from happening rather than, right. but not in a proactive way. It's more of just like a reactive again. Response. And that's kind of what you say is everyone has a defensive plan when it comes to sex and what yes. they want their kids to not know and what, what they want their kids to not see. But what we, re- we really want to encourage is for parents to have an offensive plan. How much more powerful it could have been for those sixth graders if they went home and their mom or dad said, tell me about the sexting situation that's going on. Like, how do you think that made someone so feel? Or why do you think they did that? I can, I can kind of see where she felt like she had to, or just conversations. You know, I think parents get so scared and paralyzed by that fear that their voice is like so meaningless in this huge um, culture. Mm -hmm. But really, I think we just want to encourage parents that your voice to your child is so strong and it really does have um, a big impact. And so to just move towards those conversations that you would normally find to be really intimidating, you know, no one's going to do this perfectly and nobody is going to say the right words at the right time and just be the best mother for these young teenagers. Like (laughs) nobody is going to do it. But if you just keep trying kind of say, Hey, I heard about what went on in the locker room today. Like, what do you think about that? You know, ask questions, Uh, just be engaged. You know, I think we want to just give parents permission (laughs) to, you can talk about these things. You know, you can bring this up. I think, for me, especially as that middle school teacher, um, it was just, I think parents were just stuck with, you know, paralyzed by fear. Like, I just, I can't, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to let the school handle this. Or I'm going to, like you said, set restrictions on their phone or not let them hang out with so-and-so. But I think the, the best way to shape their minds and shape their um, curiosity or shape their understanding of sex is to talk to them. You know, mm-hmm. talk about it. Tell me what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what I think was so frustrating is just seeing this big, scary topic and nobody was like stepping up to talk about it. And that was just frustrating to me. Well, and it's, a uh, have always heard, correct me if I'm wrong, that our role in protection and, 
security, keeping them healthy, keeping them safe is higher when they're little and it drops off as they get into teen years. Like we're allowing more freedom, but that's increased responsibility. And so we have put in our value system, our messaging all while they're little, as we've increased the freedom, then it's their responsibility to have those messages in their mind and to make the choices that match those messages if they've owned them as their own and not just been dictated, this is how you will respond. So then the the two options as a parent when you get to the teen years is you go down harder and you get rebellion and they're doing it secretly or Mm -hmm. you get um, complete hands off. Well, I want them to like me. So I'm just, I don't want to step in and tell them they did that wrong because what if they don't like me? Because you've never had the conversation prior about what's good and what's not good. Do you know what I'm saying? So the potential for a catastrophe goes up because there's no interaction of information. They're just kind of a free for all because the mm-hmm. goal isn't a training field for dreams. It's a, I want them to like me <laughs> kind of parenting. And, and that's and why what you're just, de- I'm sorry. And what you're describing is really the middle way. Yeah. Like it's not such control hands on, but it's also not, well, what there's nothing we can do about this, but you've that, that, um, Field of dreams, or whatever you put it, so much better <laughs> training than, field, than training field for dreams. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, is such a more positive, but still hands-on way. I really like that. That's mm-hmm. exactly what we're trying to help parents get there and start so much earlier, so that it's not um, so so awkward in those teenage years. Because they're and still starting, they're still under your home. They're still in your home, so you still have the and, ability to set those boundaries, but you still have to. Give and them starting them. earlier gives yeah. you practice. Yeah. You know. If you start when they're four or five saying, you know, the word penis or vagina without, you know, breaking out into a cold sweat, um, then by the time you get to 13, 14, you've had years of practice Mm -hmm. that this isn't all of a sudden a new topic that you're bringing onto the table. You know, sure, it has a different tone and different implications, but you're going to get better each year. You know, you're just going to have this is going to become just another topic of our parenting that we are just going to practice over the years. Um, a helpful hint as you kind of move towards puberty that we always really recommend is when you have these conversations, you know, while it's either the weekend away or just something comes up in the news or something happens at school that you want to speak into, um, that might be a little bit more of an intimidating conversation to always have these types of, these types of chats, um, shoulder to shoulder. Um, I think sometimes eyeball to eyeball, like come sit down at the table. I want to talk to you about something. I mean, that's intimidating mm-hmm. for you and for them, but go on a walk, um, go on a drive. Um, anytime you are not necessarily staring at each other and talking, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a little bit, um, just a little trick that kind of makes these more difficult conversations happen a little bit more, um, seamlessly and you're not so scared to staring, <laughs> staring at each other. <laughs> and they're probably more willing you know, like we said, if you've been having these conversations for years, that in the high school years, when uh, it comes up, or I, I think it happens in junior high, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. um, like the whole well, oral, oral sex isn't really sex, mom, right? You know, those mm-hmm. conversations or, mm-hmm. you know, my friend said it's no big deal. And they mm-hmm. come to you and then, you know, with <laughs> your mouth slightly closed, you're like, oh my goodness, are we really having this conversation right now? Yes. You can handle it a little better. And the fact that they even come to you, you can say a prayer of thanks that mm-hmm. they came to you and they're asking for your input. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and those are the moments you do want to be grateful for because mm-hmm. they have come to you. They've, they see you as the expert. They want to hear your opinion. And so some people right now are thinking, oh, I hope I never have that conversation. <laughs> but what I would encourage you to do is think, okay, what if I had that conversation next week? What would I say? Go ahead and start to think through the points you would want to make or, you know, realize I, I don't know how I would have that conversation. I need to do a little research so I can sound more like an expert, you know, so that you can say, well, sweetheart, let me explain to you why it most definitely is sex to have oral sex and that even though you cannot get pregnant having oral sex, you can have every single sexually transmitted disease put into your body and, you know, just have some sort of preparation, you know, see, I need your voice in my head. The way you just said that is so calm, (laughs) so easygoing. Can you just record all these potential (laughs) conversations we need to have? Anyway, we just need like Mary Flo soundbite. Yeah. 
Yes. And it's, it's only because, only because uh, I'm on the other side of it. You know, just the way you sound to mothers of preschoolers, you know what I'm saying? Like it's something that um, when you're on the other side of it, I didn't do it well at the time. I mean, my, my children will say, oh, mom, you were such a goofball about so much of that stuff. <laughs> but I, I do think I was consistently trying. And also we, we can't just sit on the sidelines and hope all this information comes to us. Go get your brain active about a few of these things, too. And I'm going to give you a, another book that I think is really good. And it's called um, Questions Kids Ask About Sex. Hmm. Okay. It is written by six um, pediatricians. Uh, questions kids ask about sex, and it's. Um, I'll send you a picture of it too, so you can put it up, and, okay. and I'll let you know where to find it. But in the back of the book, it has all of the sexually transmitted diseases and how you can get them. It's a real horror story, so you can scare, <laughs> you can scare the bejeebers out of them. But then once Just again, you're them. like you're the expert. You're the expert. It's but then they're like, I didn't know you could get yeah. like the same the same uh, human papillomavirus that causes cervical cancer also causes brain cancer, which you can get from oral sex. That's a good thing to know. So it's very um, being, if you want to be the expert, you're going to have to do just a teensy bit of work to, to be able to sound like the expert every once in a while, you know, not all the time, but just every once in a while. And fear isn't like the best route to take, but it doesn't hurt every once in a while. (laughs) Well, I think that it, it empowers them. So when right. they get the p- pressure, then they can be like, dude, I don't want to get a disease. I mean, they can just have like an offhanded mm-hmm. comment that is, it empowers them to not fall into the peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Y'all are amazing. Tell them again where to find your videos and your resources online. Online, it's birds bees. And that's not the word dash, it's the hyphen, yeah. <laughs> birds-bees.com. And um, we've got videos. We have a couple's discussion guide, or and it doesn't have to be couples. Like this is a discussion guide you could have with your community group. Um, it really allows you to answer questions out loud so you can practice saying the things that you're going to eventually say to your children. Um, I think it's a, a good resource. So it's birds-bees.com. Um, and just to encourage those moms that are listening that are terrified of their children growing up right now, um, <laughs> don't get it. Um, kind of the the program that Mary Flo has been giving for 30 years now and um, that I've been giving recently um, really is targeted to parents of younger kids. So if all of this seems very scary and overwhelming, start from step one and you know listen to all six steps. And I promise you, you will finish that program feeling encouraged and empowered and not so terrified. So don't panic because today we just focused a lot on kind of the next step, Mm -hmm. but really we start at the very, very beginning with, you know, three and four year olds. So don't think that you go from zero to 60, just like this. Um, But like Mary Flo said, we were so excited with our new website and we, tons of people have heard Mary Flo over the years and have just, and me included, as soon as I heard this, I thought, oh my goodness, every parent needs to hear this and needs to follow through with this because what a difference it would make in the world if every child grew up having a better understanding of what sex was. And again, that will look different from every family, but surely that understanding will be better than just what the culture's throwing at them. So we really want um, to encourage parents to follow through with these strategies and become the experts in their own home. Um, We want everyone to just speak into their kids. You know, it's, we want them to speak up and speak into their hearts and let our, that let their kids hear their voices. Um, and again, like Mary Flo said, our discussion guide was designed to be done on your phone. You can sit over coffee in the car rides, um, maybe not with your kids around, but um, to talk through these questions and just kind of dig deep, especially with your spouse or with a trusted friend to kind of get you thinking a little bit like, how did your parents talk to you about sex? How did, how, what did you grow up thinking? What was confusing to you? Like, how do you want to do it differently? Just questions that kind of get you thinking a little bit to kind of, to get you set up to have a, a plan. Because I think that's what parents feel like when they're flailing is when they don't have a plan and they're just reacting to these questions. Um, so we just really want to get parents on the right foot and get them a plan. It's awesome. And I will give that disclaimer at the beginning about those young moms who are 
scared. <laughs> yeah, don't don't panic. Don't panic. It comes it comes a day at a time at the yeah. right time that you'll be ready. Well, thank you both for being here on the show, and I'm so excited for all God has in store for both of you going forward. Thank you for having us, Heather. I know. Thank you. This is so great. Thanks, Heather, so much. You're very welcome. You'll have a great day. You too. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, y'all. So we're not going to be scared of having these conversations with our kids, right? If you still haven't listened to that episode, go back, go back to the July one, when to have the talk, and you'll get a little background on why we're so passionate about the timing of when you talk to your kids about sex. And then uh, just to be in that relationship with your kids, it's so empowering. But if you have those little itty bitties and you're getting nervous about what's coming up, I'm praying God's peace over you. And if you have a teen and you're feeling guilt or shame that you haven't had these conversations, I am praying that you would feel God's pleasure over you, that he would know that he is not going to love you more or less based on your parenting skills. He loves you so much that when you confessed uh, belief in Jesus and took on salvation, that you also took on Christ's righteousness. So when he sees you, he sees perfect. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're not going to believe those lies of failure. We're going to trust in God and his work in our kid's life and uh, not fear. And he tells us not to fear. I pray that you are just overwhelmed by his love after meeting a couple of you this weekend, Morgan, Christy, Kathy, uh, so many, Mandy, just, I'd picture your faces now and I want to cup your little faces and tell you God loves you so much. And I know some of you women are working so hard and trying and trying and trying to be wonderful, beautiful moms. And I want to remove the trying off of you. I want to remove that pressure off of you and just let you know that he's so pleased by you and to let you rest in him and to allow your soul, your emotions, your will, and your thoughts to just draw so close to that Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can overwhelm and empower you with truth and with uh, Holy Spirit emotions and with Holy Spirit will that you'll be led by God to do what he wants and you don't have to try. There's no trying that you that you are just so close and in line with him that your eyes are, are on him, locked with him, uh, and there's such a peace there. So I'm, I know I'm rambling and this is already a long episode. I love you so much. Thank you. Please, if you're on uh, Instagram or Facebook, let me know where you're listening. It was fun to meet some gals this weekend and I want to know. Y'all are so creative. I know some of you are cleaning houses and some of you are on your way to work and some of you are pushing a stroller through your neighborhood and listening. And I I just, I love getting to see where you listen and and who you are. And um, so let me know, tag me, let me know where you are. All right. Thanks for listening today. Have a great week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping Him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and He is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.